So Pete, what are we talking about today? You know what, Kev? I've done it. I've jumped on the bandwagon. I'm with the studios on this. Let's just do something we've done before all over again. It's not every horror movie that we talk about. Yeah, and now I'm a part of it. I'm in the system. Wow, they've broken you. They've broken you, Pete. Or have I ascended to a higher level? All broken people say that. I don't want to be like this. Welcome to Fearless Films. Fearless Films is a podcast where a horror movie buff, that's me, breaks down scary movies and all of their sequels for the scaredy cats. That's me. So they don't have to watch so many movies. Yeah, we're really uh, not breaking any new ground recently, Hoppy. I'm just lost in a cycle of sequels and reboots and recanonizations, and I That's can't get Hollywood, out of this baby. hole. <laughs> I would com- I would make like this is normally the part where I jump in and poke fun at the horror movie genre in general, but like I can't. I know that's every single movie, every single thing that they do. There's a, the 20th version of Ghostbusters coming out. There's uh, there's the, the, the next Matrix is coming out. They redid in live action to TV show from 1997. It's just, that's it. That's it. We, I mean, they said a long time ago there's nothing new under the sun, but now like, there really, there isn't even anything old under the sun. It's just all, just all rehashed. Listen, Kev, we've been rehashing stories since ancient times. Might as well. Why break the the chain? If it works, so, it works. What ancient story that we are rehashing today? Scream. <laughs> ah, yes, the old Greek fable, Scream. <laughs> Well, I mean, they're in this. We're doing Scream Two, and there's a play in this movie that's about Cassandra, the the tragic Greek figure. Of course, because anything that artificially inflates the like intelligence of a movie is to have like an actual play in it. Be like, no, 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 we're sophisticated. Look, Othello. Hey, now. I referenced that. Thanks. Anyway. Listen, Scream was a good movie, and Scream 2 is also a good movie. And it's a really good sequel, because guess what? It talks about movie sequels. I mean, so, okay, that's, A, surprising. uh, Because sequels in general have not a good track record. Mm -hmm. Horror movies don't have a good track record. So you put them two together, and I'm like, okay, this is a money-grabbing schlockfest. Uh, what makes it, I mean, not what makes it good, because we'll talk about that when you go through the movie, but why do you think this one was good? Did it have the same director or writer or, or cast or what? First off, let me give you some context. Scream came out in 96. Scream mm-hmm. 2 came out in 1997. It oh, wow, entered, they didn't waste any time, huh? It entered production six months after Scream came out. <laughs> They're, like, filming it at the same time. They're like, no, 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 this will be good. Don't worry about it. Well, I mean, Scream was a huge financial success, right? Huge hit, and they're like, let's just immediately jump on board. Do it. So, yeah. Hollywood, learning from previous mistakes... They don't do that. ...had the director, Wes Craven, and the writer, Kevin Williamson, return for the sequel. Oh, see, that's where it is. That's how it hits. Yeah, like, we're not we're, we're not doing any of this Nightmare on Elm Street bullshit where we're like, we could do it without Wes Craven. What, what does he know about horror? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean... It kind of makes sense because at this point, a year after, and that type of movie, the writer and director would want to do a sequel. Like, 
most of the time when I hear that they don't do sequels and, oh yeah, you didn't get the team back on, it's, it's either because the director or writer are off doing another thing already because it's mm-hmm. been five years, or they've already done it to death. And they're like, <laughs> no, I would like to do something different, please. But this is yeah. like the sweet spot where the, it, it, it can be a new story even though it's the same genre. And... It's not that far different. So, besides, wasn't this Wes Craven's baby that he'd been trying to do ever? Didn't he um, do that with with uh, yeah. Freddy? It was a passion project. It was something that was like important to him. So, yeah, he'd want to keep doing more if they had something good. And they have something good, supposedly. Yes, Scream Two picks up uh, two years after the first one, where Sydney and her remaining friends are now. Well, she's in college, and every. Oh. The, because I'm me, um, yep. and I have the memory of a goldfish. I don't remember anything about the first movie. There was somebody died in a garage door. Yeah, that uh, was uh, yeah. There was a guy who had uh, who what was like the know-it-all about horror movies, and he talked about horror movie tropes. Uh, yep. But I, I, you need to give. I think wasn't there a a, a question about who done it? Yeah. Uh, whether it was the boyfriend or not or something group of high school teenagers people start getting killed by a serial killer everybody talks as if horror movies exist which just has never happened before in a horror movie um and they even straight up state the rules of horror movies shaggy's in it yes matthew lillard was one of the killers along with the main final girl's boyfriend and they were killing people because her mom had slept with his dad and so his family fell apart, so he was mad, so he wanted revenge. And he had killed her mom two years previous and framed it on somebody else. Okay, so Matthew Lillard was with Brandon Flowers. What? Brandon Flowers? Yeah, you said he was one of the killers. Oh my god, I hate you so much! He's the only member I remember. This is like a Dave guy, I think. Sure. But yeah, you've got uh, Nev Campbell plays Sydney, your final girl. David Arquette is Dewey, he was the cop... Who was friends? Who was the older brother of her best friend who Why died in the David garage Arquette door? Sound familiar? Uh, from Scream? No, <laughs> come on. There's got to be more than that. I mean, it's David Arquette, so I'm going to give you Scream <laughs> and its subsequent sequels. Wow, I think I was hoping for more. Yeah, and Courtney Cox played news reporter Gail Weathers, who sort of like romantically became involved with Dewey by the end of the movie. And Jamie Kennedy played Randy, the nerd who knew everything about horror movies. Right. So they all survived and they're on, they move on to the second film where Sydney's is now in college. A lot of, a lot of people survived for this movie. Yes. For a horror movie, I should say. Yeah. A decent amount. I mean, a lot of people died too, but decent amount. (laughs) So where we pick up is it's two years later. Sydney's in college now at Windsor College, which is out of state. The first movie took place in California. This movie takes place, uh, I think it's in, supposed to be in like Ohio or something is where this college now, is. Is she still with her boyfriend? Well, he's dead did and was break a up killer. between movies? Yes, Kev, they did. So he was with Brendan Flowers as well. Oh my God, I hate you. Is Matthew, is Matthew Lillard dead? Yes. Okay. Although... I mean, we can get to this later, but there's a big fan conspiracy theory that maybe they're going to bring him back and be like, he was alive all along for the latest movie that's coming out in January. So, follow-up question to, is Matthew Matthew Lillard dead? Why are we watching this one? 
because it has new people who I know you like to watch in things. Ooh. Mary yes. Elizabeth Winstead? No. Why am I watching this movie? God damn it, Kev. <laughs> so we open with two other students at the college are going to a sneak preview of this new film called Stab, which is based on Gail Weathers' book about the murders in Woodsboro. Oh, man, we're going deep now. We're going super meta. Super meta. <laughs> so, yeah, these two students played by played by Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett before she was Jada Pinkett Jada Smith. Jada Pinkett Smith? Before she was Smith. Yes. Wow. This is like a, this, this a, a treasure trove of people who will be famous in this movie. We're only just beginning. So these two are a couple. They're going to see the sneak preview of Stab, which they play... Throughout this movie, various scenes from Stab and its recreations of scenes from Scream, <laughs> but with like purposely like bad acting and like ridiculous casting choices. So like they recreate the opening scene with Drew Barrymore where she gets the phone call and then the guy chases her around her house and kills her. But the Drew Barrymore character is now played by Heather Graham. Oh. <laughs> but she has, like, the Drew Barrymore haircut from that movie, and, like, the house looks the same, but, like, it's so all sexied up. They're making fun of their own movie yes. at this point. Yeah. Wes and Craven really is over horror movies at this point. He's just riffing on them. And it's a great commentary on, like, like this terrible thing happened, and within a few years, there was a movie made about it. Yeah. Yeah. That, of course, like, glamorizes it and gets a bunch of details wrong and sexes it up. Because, you know. And so now I'm getting confused again because I think I told you when we watched the first, or when we talked about the first one, that I was confused. I get this movie mixed up with uh, Scary Movie. Yeah. Which was the... Parody of Scream. Parody of Scream, which Scream was already kind of a parody of horror, so like... A satire, now, if you will. And now we've got Stab, which is a... Movie within a movie. Which is a parody of the <laughs> parody... Like, come on, man. I, don't, I have a hard time remembering your name, and you've been my best friend for like 20 years. And I gotta tell you now, this keeps going. By the time we get to, in real life, Scream 4... In universe, they're up to like stab seven. <laughs> but is that the one that's coming out this year? Uh, no, the one coming out this year is Scream Five, simply titled Scream. No, come on. <laughs> is Wes still involved in that? No, he passed away. Wes is dead. Yeah, he died. Well, I should. I feel like an idiot now. I oof. Can we edit that part out so I look smart? Nope. Damn it. All right, so back to this couple that goes in to see this movie. Jada's not into it. She doesn't like to be scared. Omar Epps is totally into it, and he's just like, come on, baby, it's sexy. It's going to get you in the mood because what adrenaline. That's what she says. She's like, watching people get stabbed to death gets you in the mood. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> but so at one point, he goes to use the bathroom, and when he's in the stall, he ends up getting ambushed and killed by some unknown figure in the ghost face mask. Oh, mm-hmm. stab right, right in the head. It's pretty brutal. Wait, um, does he put his ear up to the side of something and then get stabbed yeah, through the yes, ear? Yes, he does. Because I yeah, think that, I've seen that scene. You saw that? Maybe you saw that in Scary Movie because they make fun of it. <laughs> no, I saw. I definitely remember that in Scary Movie because it was a penis. It was this time. It was a knife. <laughs> so no, wait, was Scary Movie parodying Scream Two then? 
I forget if some of the bits from Scream 2 ended up in Scary Movie 1, or if maybe we both just saw Scary Movie 2. I, I, you know what, I, I feel kind of uncomfortable admitting I saw Scary Movie, but I guess we were all teenagers at some point. Yeah, that's also how old we are, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for dating us. Um, anyway, uh, so he's dead, and she's still in the theater, and so what happens is... Uh, man comes back wearing her boyfriend's jacket and the ghost face mask and keep in mind everyone in this theater was given like souvenir masks by the studio as like a promotional thing okay well that's bullshit yeah like, so who she's does that she's sur- I know, it's so it's like no movie studio is wasting their money doing all this but she's like not she's like oh take that mask off you're a fucking asshole you know i'm getting scared right now so the figure just sits next to her and, like, doesn't move, doesn't react. And finally, like, she realizes when she puts her arms around him at one point, like, he's got blood all over him. And she's like, what the fuck? And then the figure pulls a knife and stabs her repeatedly, like, right there in the middle of the theater. And she, like, stumbles out of her seat and, like, falls in front of the screen and screams for help. And everyone's like, is this a gimmick or does this lady actually need help and like she has a blood curling scream and then falls over dead and then it like smash cuts to the title scream 2 wow that's a pretty dramatic entrance yeah it is and it's like guess- sad because you're just like oh my god this poor girl like nobody is helping her well from what the little i know about wes including the fact that he's dead um <clears throat> the, what i can figure out at this point is that He's not very... He doesn't have high opinions of the general populace. (laughs) I mean, a little bit. (laughs) It's, you know, he's got some things to say. I mean, it's also a little bit on the writer Kevin Williamson. He's the one who really pushes this, like, critique of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, studios suck. But guess what? Y'all suck, too. (laughs) So the following day, there's this huge news media bonanza. Like, everyone descends on this campus. And we we get a nice scene where we get to meet all the players of this ensemble. So we got... I don't think that's how it's pronounced, Speed. Shush. We've got Sydney, who's living on campus in the dorms. Her roommate, Hallie, who's... She doesn't have much of a characterization in this movie. She's just, like, the nice best friend who's just sort of there... I can't. I don't have much to say about Hallie. Um, wow. She, I mean, I don't even like her actress. I don't even like recognize from anything else. So, mm. <laughs> Cindy has a new boyfriend, Derek, played by Jerry O'Connell. Well, that's a name I remember. Uh, Post Stand by Me. I think this was during Sliders. Really? When did Sliders air? Yeah, this was in the middle of Sliders. I don't think he'd left the show yet at this point. But, you know. He was the chubby kid in Stand By Me. Uh, no. Well, I can't help you then. That's, like, the yep. greatest movie ever. It's fine. <laughs> um, So that's her new boyfriend, and he's, like, a very sweet, nice guy. But, of course, there's always that... You know, she's going to live with the lifelong trauma of a previous boyfriend tried to murder me and killed many <laughs> of my friends. Yes, yeah, I'm surprised she's dating again already. I know, right? Randy is back. He's... The, I don't... I forget if the movie says if he's also going to that college or if he's just, like, in town. But he's, he's there. He's there. And then their their friend group has another friend who's just sort of a hanger-on, Mickey, a dude played by Timothy Oliphant. 
Timothy Oliphant? Pre-everything. Like, pre-Deadwood. How old is he in this movie? I, I know, right? Pre-Deadwood, pre-Santa um, Clarita Diet, pre-Justified, pre-The pre Fourth Die Hard movie. <laughs> the, the most important of his credits. Why didn't you put that one first? I don't know. Where he stars alongside Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, Justin Long, and, you know, that old guy that people know from Die Hard. But yeah, so Timothy Oliphantastic is also in this movie. <laughs> Wait, he was in Scream. No, he wasn't. Are you sure? Yes. I'm the expert about, here, Kevin. What do you know about horror oh movies? Um, and we also got some new characters, like um, another of the random students on campus is played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, because it was the late 90s and she was doing horror movies now. <laughs> like, that's she just what she that? did. God, she look, he looks so young in this movie. Another random college student in this is played by Portia de Rossi, you know, the sister from Arrested Development. What? Yeah. So I'm still stuck on Timothy Oliphant. Everyone's so baby-faced and young in this movie. It's yeah, amazing. I kind of feel like I, I like him older. I think I, I think he pulls off the, the grizzled salt and pepper look a lot better than this baby oh oh yeah no he looks a lot more handsome when he's older absolutely (laughs) and so before gail arrives courtney cox's character to like do her usual like bitchy news reporter thing thing. um another well there's a whole bunch of reporters but one that keeps popping up in the movie is uh a reporter this lady named debbie salt played by Lori metcalf aunt jackie from roseanne if you're that old they just have so many names in this movie (laughs) Or Sheldon's mom from The Big Bang Theory, if you're for, not as old. <laughs> for, um, how, like, this is a sequel to a horror movie. Like, you'd think nobody would want to touch this. But remember, like, half of these people weren't famous yet. I guess that's true. Like, Timothy Oliphant was nobody in 1997. Wow, you apologize to Timothy Oliphant. He's always been someone in my heart. Okay, well, that's because you might have a little bit of a crush on him. I'm just saying. Um, A... Lot a bit, and B wasn't Sarah <laughs> Michelle Geller big? Wasn't well, Cox she was. Big? She was Buffy at this point. Um, yeah. Actually, she might have just become Buffy at this point. Ninety seven. Oh, so she was because Buffy really shot her up there. So. Yeah. So that's our cast of characters, and Dewey shows up too to check in on Sydney, make sure he's okay, because like he's like, if it's happening again, I gotta protect, you know, my best friend's my my s- dead sister's best friend, all that God. stuff. He wasn't in anything, and Scream 2 was one of his first ones. Will you stop looking at Timothy Oliphant's page? I just want to know more about Timothy Oliphant now. Well, here's the best part. So there's a little intro scene early on where some of them are in a film class. Oh, yeah, Randy is going to the college because he's in this film class. And it's or like, he just he just seems like the character who just be there. He's like, yeah, I just thought it'd be cool to... to I just attended this class. Like- but, like, a bunch of them are having an argument about sequels. Which is, ah, I love how this movie kicks the meta comes in. Randy's of the opinion that sequels, by inherently by their nature, are bad because they're just rehashes of something else. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of my opinion. Although there's exceptions that prove the rule a lot. And that's what it's Mickey funny. argues. Your boy Timothy Oliphant is like, no, 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 no. Some sequels are better than the original, and they start having an argument like, all right, start naming them. And he's like, T two, uh, Aliens, Godfather mm-hmm. Part Two. Yeah. Like, there are a bunch of sequels that are better than the original. Um, Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. They bring that up as well. But yeah, like, it's a fun scene where it's just a bunch of characters arguing about 
how good or bad sequels are and how worthy they are in a sequel. <laughs> is, is Wes Craven just like taking the script or the other uh, who wrote it? Kevin Williamson. Are they just like writing the dialogue from like their own film school <laughs> like days where they would just get high and, and debate things? They're like, let's just put this in the script. It's very possible that that's the case. But yeah, it's it, it's fun. It's a big reason why I think this is one of the better Scream sequels. So after that, we we move on to like the investigation is beginning. Why were these two kids murdered? Why is someone maybe recreate like they're doing the ghost face killer thing again? I mean, were they actually doing the ghost face killer or did everybody have a ghost face killer mask because they were literally handing them out? And it was just a convenient uh, way to kill right? somebody. <laughs> But no, so here's an interesting thing, too. When Gail shows up, she sort of ambushes Sydney, and she's like, can I get an interview with you? And Sydney's like, what the fuck? You just showed up. And guess who Gail brings with her? The man named Cotton Weary, who we learned in the first movie, was the dude who was accused of killing Sydney's mom and went to jail for it. But did he? No, it was probably the other guy. It wasn't him. He was framed. Because he had been, um, like he had been sleeping with Sydney's mom, but but he was the the son's killed her. Yeah, Who somebody killed else killed her mom. But we don't know. But Cotton was framed, but then he was released after the events of the first movie. So Gail shows up with him and is like, "We should have an interview with you two, and it'll be great and get a lot of buzz and stuff." And Sydney's like, "Fuck you for just throwing this at me unexpectedly." And Cotton in this movie is played as a guy who's, like, looking for fame, looking to be redeemed in the eyes of yeah. society. Yeah. But he's not completely, heart like, heartless because after that scene, he goes to, he turns on Gail and he's like, you didn't tell her you were bringing me? Wouldn't that have been a good thing to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm surprised that uh, Nev's, uh, the Campbell, Sydney, Sydney's uh, character isn't more involved in this whole thing. I mean, she was the star of the franchise well she quickly gets involved like they they drag her into it and yeah i just wouldn't put it past studio execs to like have her at the opening or something like that because (laughs) oh no yeah she she i think she mentions at one point that she's turned down all big interviews with all the major news outlets and like hasn't been specifically like hasn't been a part of this Mm. all right that makes sense yeah so as of right now we're like two killings maybe it's related maybe not we're we got to find out later that evening sydney's roommate hallie drags her to this party at a sorority house nothing goes wrong there it's everything's usually pretty fine in in sorority parties well actually yes nothing goes wrong at the party man was that west just psyching us out yes yes it was well he really wanted there to be like a a somebody in the attic and stuff and it just be like the repairman or something like that. well he goes with the logical thing so what happens is the scene then cuts to a different sorority house where the only girl there is sarah michelle geller because she's the designated driver she like she's at the sorority house in case any of her sisters need a ride because they're drunk she's the one who's got to be ready at the telephone can you remind me what sarah's character is here she's just a girl at the school she's another student at the school yeah her name's Cece. 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 all right so she's at her place uh, at her sorority house just hanging out watching tv and she's on the phone with a friend of hers who fun cameo that the movie never really states is she's on the phone she's talking to uh actress selma blair who she had just been in the movie cruel intentions with oh that girl yeah (laughs) 
So they're just like, well, fuck great. it, why not? Let's just be funny with it. So you hear her Man, voice Wes over the phone. Wes is really having a lot of fun with this movie. That's what this <laughs> franchise is good for, is having fun. And just, you know, doing cute little Easter eggs like that. So she ends up getting a call on the other line, and it's the killer, but she doesn't know that. She thinks it's somebody just pranking her, trying to scare her. And eventually it does what you think it's going to do. The, the killer terrorizes her on the phone for a while, and then just outright jumps out of a closet and starts attacking her. Chases her around the place. She runs upstairs like you're not supposed to do. Hold on a second. Hold on. When were cell phones pro- uh, prevalent? This uh, uh, Not in the 90s. Not this, the no, 90s. this was a cordless phone landline. That he had in the closet? Where was he calling The killer from? has a cell phone. Oh, fancy killer. Yeah, in the, in the 90s, that meant they spent a lot of money. Uh, I mean, that's true <laughs> he today. He also had a beeper at the time. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's funny, too, because they even play with that, because she's on the phone, and she, like, steps outside because she hears a noise, and then the signal starts breaking up. She's like, oh, I'm getting too far away from the receiver. I have to go back in the house. And it's like, God, there was a time when we were just cavemen. That was a thing. Struggling <laughs> to survive. God, did they even have indoor plumbing? <laughs> so, yeah, she gets chased upstairs. The killer gets her, um, pushes her out onto a balcony, stabs her a couple times, and then throws her to her death. No, not Sarah Michelle Gellar. Buffy. Fun fact, Sarah Michelle Gellar did her own stunt and jumped a distance down into, like, a crash pad. Because, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar's cool. <laughs> She's Buffy, of course. Oh, yeah. What's she doing now? Is she doing anything now? Mostly just raising her family, uh, being, Ugh, a, being a mom. Boring. She does a lot of voice work now. Lots of Star Wars stuff. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'd, you know what? If I got famous in the 90s and nowadays, I'd be like, dude, get me on that. Get me on that uh, Star Wars kick. Hell yeah. I love Star Wars. It's a great IP and uh, let's do it. Yeah. So... You know, so that's another death. The police ex- check that out. And now the theories start coming out. The, the the mystery starts unraveling. So Gale and Dewey are able to piece together because they're working Gooey. together now. Gooey is Gooey. their uh, yeah. Yeah, couple's name. Is their couple's name, yeah. <laughs> they, know, they recognize a pattern in that all the people murdered now have similar or the same names as people who were murdered originally. So Wait, what? Jada Pinkett Jada Pinkett's character was Maureen Evans. Sydney's mom's name was Maureen. Oh. And then Cece, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, her actual name was is Casey. Cece was a nickname. Casey was Drew Barrymore's character in the beginning of Scream 1. Okay, but what about um the, the guy? Omar Epps. Uh his name was Phil Stevens. Steve was Drew Barrymore's boyfriend, who also died in that opening scene. Wow. Okay. Oh, was he the one in the... Wasn't there one he was on a chair or he got killed or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he was tied to a chair and they gutted him. Gross. Very gross. Why did they kill Heather Graham? Nope. No. Heather Graham's this actress in a movie in this universe. <laughs> Why did, yeah, but the, the real one. The real fake one in the fake movie that's the real life in this movie. Drew Barrymore's character? Yeah. Why'd they um, kill her? Simply because she was an ex of Matthew Lillard who broke up with him, so he just wanted revenge. Wow, Matt. Way to be a dick. Yeah. I hear he's quite nice. He is. That's what I hear as well. So they're going to, like, well, we have, that's a great, you know, connection, but that doesn't help us because it's like, well, we're just going to wait to see who they kill next that has the same name. We can't really track anything using this information. 
you could just round up all the people with those names and put them in a brightly lit corral. Okay, that makes sense. That's logical. Everybody in the whole town, right? Because there's no other connection, right? Are they all? Do they all go to the same school? It's well, all the killings are happening in and around this school. Yeah. Okay, so it's the school with all the names. That's like 50 people. Just uh, yeah, it's fine. Put them in the classroom. All right, you don't have a sense of scale right now of <laughs> colleges. So yeah. Uh, the investigation can't really do anything with that info, but it's interesting to know. So we know for certain now, at least, that this is someone trying to recreate the Woodsboro killings. This is it's connected. It's copycat killer. Copycat killer, yeah, that's what they say in the movie. Uh, there is a point, too, where we get another couple of scenes from Stab. So we <laughs> we get the recreation of Sydney arguing with Billy in the high school hallway, and Sydney is played by Tori Spelling from Beverly Hills 90210. And Billy is played by Luke Wilson. <laughs> oh, I know that. But they give like Luke Wilson like the the nineties like the hair that's draped over your face, like down by your eyes and parted in the middle, and it's oh my god, it's so ridiculous looking. God, he they were having Wes Craven was having way too much fun with this. Movie. Yeah, which that was a joke in the first Scream movie where they're like, if they made a movie about this, I bet Tori Spelling would play Sydney. they're setting up their own like jokes to knock down in the sequel that's called planning right there so the next exciting scene is um dewey and gail and randy are hanging out and they're discussing the the big recreation in this movie that they're talking about the rules of a sequel and randy's laying them out they have to have that right they have to have a a whole situation like that so randy's like you know the there's always more kills, and they're bigger and gorier. Okay, this first off, I don't even watch horror movies, and I know that's wrong. One, like, a couple of the Jason or Freddy movies had, like, one kill in them. But that was towards the like end the when they ran out of steam. One? They ran out of the juice by that point. They didn't know what okay, they so were Okay, so we're not doing. talking about all sequels. We're talking about, like, the next sequel. Immediate sequels, yeah. Alright. So, yeah, I think he says something along the lines of, like, less people are safe. Uh, like more main characters can be picked off if there's even returning main characters because it's funny that they lay down these rules but I'm like most heart, most slasher movies like nobody survives from the previous movie dude even if that's the case what, what I remember is that even if some of them do survive they usually die in like the opening bit you remember your Jason history Ugh, I'm so mad. actually I'm more mad about aliens yeah so then as they're all talking there they get a phone call on Gail's cell phone and it's Ooh, the Gail has a cell phone. And it's the killer. And they're like, I'm fucking watching you three. So they're out in the middle of like the, the college campus, like on the quad. So they just start they split up and they're running around looking for like anyone else who's on a cell phone and being like, Is it this person? No, it's not. Great plan. Why are they, go- Why are they hunting this guy down? He's killed three people at this point. I know, right? Maybe like, I don't know, get the authorities somehow. <laughs> Go in a group towards a well-lit building, and it's like it's like dealing with zombies. Just stay together, walk quickly, and get to safety. Yeah. So they tell Randy, they give the phone to Randy, and they're like, keep the killer on the line. We're going to go find him. And he's, like, taunting the killer and being like, you fucking coward. Like, just show yourself, blah, 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 blah. And eventually, he he's walking past Gail's news van. And right as he's, like, got his back to it, the door opens and the killer is in there and grabs him and pulls him in and shuts the door and stabs him to death. Randy? Randy. The dude who knows knows. everything. He should know better. Yup. 
Fucking you Randy gets better. it. And I'll tell you this right now, Kev. To this day, fans are like, no, bring him back to life. Randy deserves to live. Right? If anybody deserves to make it through all of these, it's Randy. Like, the smart person is supposed to be the one that survives. Everybody dies in horror movies because they're dumb. Yeah, it's 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 intense. And it's like, I mean, it was the right move because he's a person you care about. He's not just, like, new movie cannon fodder. Yeah. So, like, it definitely was the right move in the writing sense of things. But, yeah, it really hurts to see Randy go. So, that's another one down. He was acting pretty dumb. I don't know why he agreed to the plan that everybody splits up and wander around at night. Right? It's, <laughs> well, it was the middle of the day. But it was okay. it was not a good idea. So, I mean, then, later, night falls. And Dewey and Gale, uh, continuing the investigation... Um, this is actually pretty funny. So Gail has a new cameraman in this movie because her cameraman died in the first one. Okay. And after Randy gets killed, he leaves. The cameraman's I mean, just like, no, I'm, yeah. he goes, I'm black. I'm not going to survive <laughs> to the end of this. See you later. And you literally see him get into a cab and leave. That's hilarious. And he survives the movie. Of course he does. He's <laughs> smart. So um, he leaves the footage, all the footage he had of all the various news events. So Gail and Dewey come up with this theory. If the killer is, like, here and hovering around and taking delight in all of their fucking anarchy, maybe we can look through all the footage of the news junkets and see if there's, like, the same person at each one. Which is, like, a loose idea, because, like, a lot of the same people are going to be at each one because it's all the news junkets keep happening on campus. Listen, they need a way for random plot jumps to happen, okay, Pete? Yes, you're correct. So the two of them at night go into the, like, AV section of the college campus. And, of course, the killer tracks them down, separates them. Uh, Dewey gets stabbed, but survives yet again like he did in the first movie. Wow, Dewey, you just can't kill him. (laughs) He is fucking hard to kill. Meanwhile, after at the same time after Randy's death, previously two security people have been like from the police have been sent to just watch over Sydney, um, who starts to be more of a character now at this point in the movie. I was gonna say she hasn't really been in much. Her and Tim, where's she, Timothy? She keeps popping up up in between like murders, but like yeah, like since other shits happening around her, she doesn't drive the plot much in the first half of this movie. Okay. But so now these two cops take her and her roommate, they put her in a car, put them in a car and they're like, "We're going to take you to a safe house, I guess, because this is getting too intense and you're likely to be targeted." So from the from the people you originally introduced, let me see if I can get this right. Her and her roommate are still around. Yep. Her boyfriend, her boyfriend is, still is who at this point, she's like, you need to get as far away from me as possible. It's not safe. And he like, he's hurt, but he understands. And he's like, I respect your wishes. And I just want you to know, I'll be waiting for you when this is all over. Mickey's still around. Mickey's still around. He's been like the supportive friend this whole time. Um, Gail is still around. Now, does Dewey get knocked out of the plot? Yeah. Even though he survives? Yeah, after he gets... He's just down and out? Yeah, he's down and out. He's taken to the hospital. Okay. But that's it, right? Pretty much, yeah. So, 
they get into this car, they're driving, they stop at a red light, and the fucking Ghostface killer attacks them and kills these two cops with minimal effort. I mean... I have a lot of things to say that we should just edit out. <laughs> <laughs> so what basically what happens is, like, they're at, they stop at the red light, the killer runs up to the driver's side, smashes the window, and then immediately, like, cuts the driver's throat. So that, that's one okay. cop done immediately. Surprise attack. The other cop, like, panically, like, is stumbling with his door, trying to get his gun out. So the killer, like, jumps over the hood and, like, slams their head against the car and stabs that guy to death, too. Okay, I just have to say, like, like in a horror movie, like, this is like, oh, crazy, the killer. But, like, the cojones on this guy. Oh, these two people are getting taken away by the cops. I guess I'll just take out two armed policemen yeah. in their car. <laughs> Whatever. I've got a knife. I can do it. Yeah, I know, right? So the killer then j- jumps in the driver's seat and starts... Um, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah. So they jump in the driver's seat and they start... They're about to drive away when the, the second cop gets up and he's still alive. Um, and he jumps on the hood with his gun out, so the, the the killer's driving and swerving everywhere, and the cop's, like, hanging onto the hood, like, trying to point his gun at him. And eventually they crash into, like, a construction site. And in the gnarliest kill in this entire franchise, a, like, long piece of rebar goes through the cop's head and impales the windshield. Damn. And it is, like, graphic. That sucks. <laughs> But, bonus, when they crash the car like that, the killer in the driver's seat gets knocked unconscious. Oh, well, the end, right? They just... Mm. Although the the two girls are still in the back of the car and probably locked in there, right? Yes, they can't get out because the door's only open from the outside. So what they have to do is they have to peel the grating back, you know, in between the front and the back seats because it's a cop car. They peel that back because the rebar had punched it out. And they have I was going to say, like, how would... that's Cop cars are supposed to be, like, known for not being able to get out of these things. Yeah, yeah. And then they have to crawl over the unconscious killer to climb out their window. Because the car's, like, trapped where it is. And while they're doing that, they just take his mask off and they're like, Oh, it's Tim. Fuck this guy. They do not. Of course not. Why would they? Sydney, that would make sense. Well, here's the thing. Like, Sydney's about to, and then she accidentally leans on the the horn. And she's like, fuck, and that startles her. And she's like, I don't want to be doing this. And the killer wakes up and stabs me to death. So she just crawls out the window. Which still, I'm just like, just strangle the unconscious person. <laughs> there are no killers, Pete. God. Yeah. So then she helps Hallie out of the car. And they're running down the street, and then she's like, no, I'm tired of running. I have to know who's doing this. No, wait a minute. You had your shot, lady. <laughs> so she turns around, goes back, by the, but by the time she gets back to the car, the killer's missing. Wait, what do you mean missing? He just was like, fuck, that hurt, and crawled away. Yeah, they're, they're gone. But then, so, of course, she turns around, and she's like, the killer's missing. And Hallie's like, what? And then the killer jumps out and stabs Hallie to death. It's all, I mean, at this point, it's all her fault. It's all Kinda, uh, Ned yeah. Campbell's yeah, fault. Pretty much. It's all her fault. So, that happens. So, Sydney runs back to the towards the campus to get help. Meanwhile, while this was going on, Derek, the lovelorn boyfriend who's waiting for the return of his love, 
he gets grabbed by his sorority brother or fraternity brothers um, because earlier in the movie he had given his his letters, his fraternity letters on a like a like a it's a pendant on a chain to Sydney, which I guess is a it's a no no in the fraternity world. You're not supposed to give your letters to somebody else. So they grab him, they take him to the theater, and they, like, tie him up, and they're, like, pouring beer all over him and fucking having a good time. And then they just leave him there tied up. What the? Okay, they know there's an active murderer in the town, in the college, right? Yeah. College kids. Also, I'm, also I'm going to give you one of these, Kev. Human beings. <laughs> Please refer to... The past two years and society for people fair. making dumbass decisions. <laughs> people are dying. We don't care. Pretty much. This all fucking ties together when Sydney runs back in a, in a part that I can't really defend. For some reason, she runs into the theater building. I don't know why. It's the closest building. I don't. Yeah. She loves theater. But she she runs in there. She sees Derek tied up unconscious what what the fuck did they do to him they like made him they like force fed him beer and shit so he passed out it's whatever it's you know it's just a little assault you know college yeah it's fine but she un- she wakes him up and she begins to untie him when Ghostface shows up so we know it's not the boyfriend well here's the thing the killer approaches and takes the mask off and it's mickey you mean it's Timothy Oliphant? Yes, it's your favorite person I kind of guessed, honestly. Like, who else would it be at this point? <laughs> well, we'll talk about that later. But he immediately... So he's got the cop's gun and a knife. And he's like, he's like, Sydney, are you sure you want to untie him? Your last boyfriend was a killer. And I'm pretty sure your current one is my partner. And so she, like, doesn't know what to do. She's like, fuck, what if, what if I'm being set up again? And Derek's like, don't listen to him. He's lying. He's trying to, like, like untie me. I can help you. And she she hesitates. She backs away. And before she can come to any sort of decision, Mickey shoots Derek in the chest and kills him. Damn, I guess they weren't partners. That's ba- He's like, oops, sorry, I was kidding. Although, didn't the partners kill each other? Or didn't... Uh... What's-his-face kill uh, Shaggy in the first one? No, no, they they hurt each other to make it look like they were also victims. Oh, okay. Because they were going to frame Sydney's dad. So, Mickey then starts monologuing, as villains do, and he's basically like, alright, so my big grand plan here is that I'm going to kill you, and, you know, and she's like, you'll never get away with it, and he goes, I don't care, that's the plan. I'm going to get arrested because these days, it's all about the trial. So, drawing inspiration from O.J. Simpson and all that type of shit, he's like, I'm going to become famous for this big trial, and I'm going to get away with it. Like, I'm going to get exonerated, because I've set this all up to make it look like I'm not the killer, even, but I'm going to look like a good suspect. And, it's like, he's just crazy. Like, his motive is, like, Matthew Lillard in the first movie. He's just fucking crazy. All right, all right. There's no, there's no like deep seated plan in here. He's just a, a psychopath. Yes, but here's when we get to part two of the big reveal. Because remember in the first movie, there was two killers working together. Yeah. Same deal. Who shows up? But that random reporter lady, Debbie Salt. What? Yes. Well, why? So, or and I should say also at this point, Gail has shown up as well as well. 
Debbie Salt leads her out. They do like a fake reveal, like Gail steps out and Cindy's like, no, not you, Gail. And she's like, no, not me. And you see she's being held at gunpoint by this other lady. And uh, I almost said Nancy. Cindy (laughs) immediately looks at Debbie Salt and goes, Mrs. Loomis? Debbie Salt is Billy's mom. The killer from the first movie. It's his mom. Really? What? Yes. A reverse Friday the 13th. (laughs) So they, they, uh, so, so much like in the first movie where the, the killer, which is Billy, had this crazy friend who's just doing it because he's a crazy person. Billy's mom was like, yeah. I'm going to also find kind of a patsy who's like a crazy person to kill. Yes. She 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 basically states that she's like I found him in a, on a web forum for people who are obsessed with serial killers. And she, right. she's like he's helped me do all the killings and stuff and then she's like and now his usefulness is over and she shoots him and kills him. Damn. <laughs> Poor Tim. You'll do. You'll go on to much better things, Tim. Yeah, okay. yeah. And before you start questioning some of the characters, uh, not recognizing, they even throw away this line where Gail's like, "Wait, but I've seen pictures of Mrs. Loomis," and and Sydney goes, "Yeah, this is her, sixty pounds lighter and with a lot of work done." Wow. Yeah, okay. like they just throw out the like she she got a bunch of plastic surgery and lost a lot of weight. That's why nobody so recognized her. Even though it was, like, a major plot point, she wasn't in the first movie at all. Correct. All right. And throughout all of Scream 2, Debbie Salt never interacts with Sydney. Be- oh, beca- they did it like that. Because she knew Sydney of anyone else would have recognized her. Right. Yeah, she she's like, the real story here is I want revenge for you having killed my son, and I'm I orchestrated all of this. I'm looking at pictures of her from Scream 2, mm-hmm. uh, just because I, I had no... I looked her up on IMDb, and I had no concept. She's got a lot of... I'm getting a lot of uh, energy of Rachel Dratch from uh, from her pictures. D- does it, Do you see that? I can see... No, I get you. Yeah, definitely. Many, many an SNL sketch where I can see her in a similar look. <laughs> <laughs> She's got them crazy eyes. <laughs> So, uh, as I said before, she shoots Mickey, and this is total plot convenience, but, like, as he's falling down dead, his gun goes off and, like, hits Gail in the side, and she falls off the stage and is out of this scene until we need her to come back. Because, you know, otherwise it'd be a 2v1 and that'd be too easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's this big confrontation where Sydney's fighting off Mrs. Loomis, and they're battling throughout the stage and shit. And eventually, Cotton shows up. Like, he walks into the middle of this, and he's like, what the fuck? Like, I heard noises. What's going on? Who the fuck is Cotton? What the hell? He's been around. He keeps popping up in the movie and whatever. So, it's it's hilarious. So, so Mrs. Loomis has a knife to Sydney's throat, and she's using her as, like, a human shield. And Cotton has a gun. And she's like... You know what we can do here, Cotton? Like, you can help me kill her, and you can become famous. Like, you, you can be the hero and all this. Say that Sydney was killing everyone, and you stopped her, and blah, blah, blah. And he sort of, like, gets this look on his face, like, oh, maybe this is, you know, this is my redemption. Oh, it's the guy from, it's the guy from Slider. No, that's Jerry O'Connell. God damn it. Who is this? It's Liev Schreiber. Nah, I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> so... 
he he plays along like he's like yeah this this crazy lady's got kind of a point but then he he looks at Sydney and he's like that uh that Diane Sawyer interview I talked to you about earlier that's kind of looking pretty good now isn't it and she gives him a slight nod and so at the last second he like turns his gun and shoots Mrs. Loomis in the head damn yeah so there's a big like you know thank you for being a decent human being cotton and not like and being able to <laughs> forgive and move on and then Gail shows up and she's like, hey, Gail's still alive. That's nice. Yay. We kind of figured because you took a hit to the because, side and didn't actually die. <laughs> um, sorry. I just, you need to, you need to give me more, cre- uh, give me more context for, for this cotton person. Why would he have thought about, why was there any suggestion that he might have been a person who's just a crazy killer? Did he have some Cause, problem with Because uh... he had been sent to jail for multiple years for being framed for killing Sydney's Oh, mom. no, that guy. Yeah. God, that's who, okay, that guy. I just completely, I don't know why I, I blanked on him. Up, <laughs> up until this point, he'd only been with Gail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was, I thought Dewey was the. Dewey got injured earlier. He's out of the movie. No, but wasn't Dewey the guy who went to jail? No, no, no. Cotton was. Who the fuck is Dewey? Dewey was the cop from the first movie. Oh, right. I got those two mixed up. Yeah. Man. It's because you have face blindness. There's also, <laughs> like, 700 characters, okay? All right, we're following, like, five people, Kev. You gotta That's a lot of people. It's <laughs> a lot of people. So, um... I've got, like, 16 tabs open in IMDb. Most of them are of Timmy, Timothy Oliphant, but you have a the other ones are... <laughs> you never forgot who he was. <laughs> Well, no, you you see the face of God, you remember. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, they they do the whole, like, they look down at Mrs. Loomis. They're like, are we sure she's really dead? They always come back, blah, blah. And then Mickey jumps up, and Gail and Sydney shoot him a bunch of times with their guns. <laughs> and, and then they look back down at Loomis, Mrs. Loomis's dead body, and Gail just, like, shoots her in the head, or Sydney does. <laughs> just shoots her again in the head is like, just to be sure. No, that's that's what I always want to see happen at the end of these movies. And then, you know, everyone goes off into the sunset, the movie ends, fucking survivors move on to live with even more trauma. Hooray? There's only two at this point, right? It, no, I mean- Sydney, Gale, and Dewey are the only three main characters from the first movie, and then Cotton as well, kind of. The Cotton doesn't count. Yeah. He's only here. So yeah, uh, can what's the Diane Sawyer reference? So early because oh, they were gonna go do it together. Yeah, earlier right? in the movie, yeah. he's like, "We, sh- you know, I talked to Diane Sawyer, and she'll do an interview with the both of us. We can make some money off this." Blah 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 blah. And she's like, "No." <laughs> yeah. They, so they set up that he was kind of in it for the fame at this point. So the idea of him killing her with them and being a famous person was kind of like a mm, maybe. Yeah. He, you're like thinking he might do this. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm with you now. It's okay. I'm all here. Yeah, I'm sure you are. What movie is this? Um, the the so Pete, what are we talking about today? Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, is it big or little? The shop. It's little, but the plant gets really big and it eats people. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me. My name's Kevin. We've been best friends for years. Yeah, but you probably don't know who I am because you don't recognize faces. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the movie ends. They walk off to the sunset and uh. Wes Quaven's like, can I have a lot of money for this? And they're like, sure. Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> that sounds like, yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, that's, yeah, how was the movie to you in your professionalness? Oh, that was great. I think it's one of the best slasher sequels that exists. 
Okay, you're not like, this isn't a high bar. You say that every like, time. That's because they're shit every time. <laughs> well, no, I think it's very clever. I think it's well written. I think the continuation of the story works really well, like how they weaved the lore in and it's the mom looking for revenge. I mean, just that twist alone of how it's a reverse Jason's mom. The mom's the killer in the second movie instead of the first movie. <laughs> I don't know. I loved it. I think it's great. They, um... They didn't jump the shark. I can totally see a movie that's so meta-focused going too far with it. Oh, that when we get to part three, that's the jumping of the shark. But then they bring uh, it back okay. in part four. It's fine. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That, that's, surpri- that's actually what's surprising. Very few franchises do see a movie franchise being able to pull itself out of the ashes like yeah, that. Yeah, three is considered the weakest of the Scream films. I still think it's a fine like it's saying it's the worst part of your favorite sandwich you know like oh there's the bread like yeah but it's still your favorite sandwich (laughs) (laughs) wow but it does in terms of like the plot ideas it does kind of jump the shark because they take it like to the next level of like okay how many connections are we gonna have here (laughs) uh who's the sliders guy her boyfriend Derek. oh so He's dead. He died. He died through beer chugging and getting shot. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that must have been associated. All right. So uh, you thought it was good. I think it was very good. Uh, um, so bringing back a point, we I sort of put an asterisk on earlier. They really, really had some trouble with production. So most of the way through filming. The script got leaked by an extra who got their hands on it. What? So, therefore, the twist, the like, the reveal got leaked. So, they completely changed the ending and who the two killers were. Really? Who's the who's the original in the killers? In the original draft that they were shooting, it was the boyfriend, Derek, and her best friend slash roommate, Hallie. They were the killers. Really? Yup. Was there any more details about why that was? Um, or, I mean, I'm sure the script's out there. Not, I mean, yeah, you probably can find it, but, like, not really, like, on Wikipedia and all that. Not really from what I could find, like, what their motives were. It's just that those two were the killers. And then somebody was like, well, fuck that. I mean, when they when they leaked it, which sucks. But I don't know. Maybe it's a better movie that way now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great as it is. Yeah. I think you're great as you are. Oh, okay. I love you. There was, and then so when they did the rewrite, they also like wrote like three different endings so that like if just to fuck if with it people. fucking yeah, if it leaks again, like they won't know. And like one of the other alternative ones was like Cotton kills Gale, and then Sydney and Cotton fight to the death, like after the killers are dealt with. Because Cotton is just like B-plot, like, I'm a new villain now, too, because I'm mad about things. (laughs) I mean, I guess with you have kind of this ensemble cast where everybody's involved, then, you know, you could kind of... They're lucky in that, of all the movies to get, you know, leaked. I mean, if a fucking... If the first Jason movie was leaked, you can't change who the killer is i mean not with that it wouldn't have any sort of impact if it's not his mom like it's it's one of the other random camp counselors (laughs) something like that so like yeah so they lucked out there they they really did it's amazing that it came out as coherent as it did when they like just completely changed and they had to like rewrite and reshoot stuff for the movie too to like make it work 
So it's it's impressive they, that they pulled it off. I think they should have had a a, a particular ending when just like Jamie, uh, not Randy, just pops up. I was the killer the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's like the biggest like. It, and that becomes a running joke. Like in the next movie, they make a bunch of jokes about because the next movie sort of takes place in Hollywood, and they make a bunch of jokes about like movies that are constantly being rewritten, and the actors don't know what's going to happen next and shit like that. So once again, making fun of themselves or what happened. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, I, that's the best part about it. So you thought it was good. Uh, yes. Do you want to know what the critics thought? I am curious. I'm pretty sure I'm right because you know I usually am. I'm surprised about this, actually. The critics gave it an 81, so good. That is good, yeah. The audience gave it 57. Oh, interesting. So general trends, and of course, this is before Rotten Tomatoes actually existed. Yeah, yeah. The reason why we constantly use Rotten Tomatoes as an aside is because it is not, in in, in and of itself, a rating system. Yeah, it, like, it measures how many people liked or didn't like a thing, not what they rated it. It's a compilation of a bunch of reviews. So it's the best overarching, this is what people's general sentiments were. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, critics, they have it divided between critics and and audiences, and critics gave it a really good score. Audiences did not. Interesting. Which which is interesting because Scream, and we talked about this at the time, I think, Scream had an 80 across the board. Both, Both critics and audiences liked it the exact same. Okay. So, and Scream 3, both audiences and critics hated it the exact same. (laughs) It has like a 40 or something like that. That makes sense from what I've been exposed to, yeah. So I'm really surprised and I'm wondering why. I didn't really go that deep into it, but I wonder why people didn't love it as much. Because usually it's the opposite. Especially movies like this that are supposed to be like popcorn flicks. Yeah. Like, why, why the critics were like... I mean, I guess maybe... Critics are a little bit more discerning, I guess you could say. They're a little bit more intellectually critical. And so all of the self-jabs and meta-humor kind of trend with people who are criticizing something. Because it's criticizing itself, so they've, they're on that same sense of humor. Mm. Whereas the people who just want to watch a movie about stabby stabs with girls probably be like, what is all this smart shit? Like... <laughs> But I don't know, like that that doesn't give a lot of credit to the film goers themselves. So Hmm. Um, I feel like yeah, I, I just seem to remember in horror circles closer to when this came out, I remember people liking this a lot. Like I remember being generally yeah. well received. I don't know, I feel like as we get older, maybe opinions change too, because like just for instance, recently I was listening to another horror podcast talking about the Scream franchise as a whole. And the the hosts of that one are our age, mid thirties, mm-hmm. and they had sort of a turnaround too, where they liked they liked two when they were younger and didn't like three at all. But upon re-examining the series while they're older, they found themselves liking three more and not liking two as much. Wait, which one is this? Scream? Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm interested to see what three is going to be like because, you know, it seems like it's controversial i guess it very much was and it's weird to me to see people changing their opinions on it because i'm the person who always liked three and now i'm like wait people are starting to like it now that's not cool (laughs) so i think what i'm seeing is that a lot of the critics were like it was okay but like 
they wanted more Sydney and Ghostface. There was too much other plot stuff happening. Oh yeah, new characters. Like just, um, yeah, new characters, new new things that there was new settings they were setting up. They're like, no, I want Sydney and I want this cool killer to be going around killing people. And like, it was it wasn't enough of that from what people could say. Um, people were looking at it as a horror movie, and West didn't make a horror movie. He made a horror critic, a uh, horror parody kind of yeah which if you view it in the lens of is this a good horror movie then yeah you're gonna be a little bit disappointed i think i i would agree all right but money talks right money talks scream spent 15 million dollars on their movie they spent 15 million dollars to make this movie and they're like, wow, it did such a good job. I'm willing to put a little bit more into us. So they spent $24 million to make Scream 2. How much was Scream 1? 15. 15. Ah, so do- uh, not double. I can't do math. Uh, almost double. Yeah, almost uh, like 10, 10 million more. It made. What does it need to do to make be profitable? 24. So it needs, it it needs to make a whopping $50 million. Yeah, because it needs to make its budget. Uh, and again to account for like marketing and shit yeah so 50 million Scream two squeaked by with 172 million dollars holy shit which is less than scream but only half a million dollars less oh wow that's that's very close yeah no it was it it, so uh the scream made 173 scream two made 172.4 wow so just as many people saw it they just didn't like it as much I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense for a very popular sequel. Like, you're you're gonna go see it. Although to make 174 million, usually people see it twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it it did. I mean, it it made a reason why there was a three. Out there. That's gangbusters for uh, slasher films. We could talk about this more when it actually when we like see it uh, when we talk about Scream Three. But uh, it's kind of funny because. Scream, so Scream 1, they did 15. Scream 2, they did 24. And they made 170 each time. So Scream 3, they went even over the top. They did, they spent 40 million making Scream 3. Oh boy. Now, I don't know what Scream made, Scream 3 made, but from the reviews, didn't do as well. So Scream 4, they also spent 40 million. (laughs) So I thought it was kind of funny that they're like, 15 million, double that. Scream 24 million. All right, we did so good. Oh, let's just double it again. 40 million. Let's go. And then Scream 3, and they're like, ah, you know what? Maybe you, you can have the same amount. All right. I'm not giving any more of this. We're flatlining it at that amount. <laughs> let's see how well you do before we give you more on this Scream 4 thing. <laughs> so that's the budget, and that's the review side of things. That uh, So generally, it, it did well. People liked it. It obviously warranted a third, so that... Uh, and then a fourth, and now a fifth. <laughs> although, big big gap between the fourth and the fifth, right? Yeah, well, big gap between the third and the fourth as well. Man, we see, we should have done this as a franchise. I'm super interested in what three and four are going to be like now. Well, I mean, that's a good vote for what we do next. <laughs> so, Kev, would you watch Scream 2? In a vacuum. Did I say... Did I say... <laughs> What? In a vacuum, in a just vacuum. without having any other ones. Uh, no, no, I'd probably want to see the first one, Pete. <laughs> Which was going to be my question is, did I want to watch Scream? I think I'd be willing to watch Scream. I think you said you would be willing to watch Scream. I have no evidence of this. I'm just planting the idea in your brain. 
You do have evidence. We have this recorded, Pete. Shush. We can pull up the audio. Nobody knows. We have actual recorded evidence. It's uh, episode 47. Here, look. This is what it is. This is... You asked me, will I watch this movie? And I say... All right, maybe. I said maybe. I will. You know that what? That's a Pete? strong maybe that's leaning towards yes. I will maybe watch this movie with you, Pete. I I will maybe watch Scream 2. Well, I'll take it as a You win. know what? Fuck it. I think I'd watch Scream 1. I've 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 grown. Uh I've changed as a person. I have less self-respect than I did before. Uh, so I would watch Scream 1. Yes. I don't know about Scream 2, though. Like, the, the rebar death? That seems brutal. I don't know. It was it's it seems rough, pretty right? messy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Never mind. You know what? I would watch Scream 1. Okay. I would definitely watch Scream 1 because I would want to watch it to have context to watch Scream 2. And I would definitely want to watch Scream 2, Timothy Oliphant. It's not subtitled Timothy Oliphant, Kev. <laughs> It should be. They would have made three hundred million. Do you just see every movie he's in as being titled Timothy Oliphant? The yeah. There was that great big uh, Star Wars TV show, the Timothy Oliphant. No, that was the Mandalorian. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. <sighs> well, I don't know what I expected. Die Hard, Die Hard with Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> That's the after the call-ons. Uh-huh. Okay, thanks. That's very helpful. Good good job, Kev. Kev, uh, I'm going to yep. break your train of thought and ask you a question, and the answer better not be Timothy Oliphant. It's going to be fucking Timothy Oliphant. The question is, what special fan group... No, no, no. You have to tell me first. Oh. Well, I mean, that's easy. Who do you think should watch this movie? Everyone. Easy answer. We don't even have to ask that question, because I think everyone should appreciate the awesomeness that is Scream 1 leading into Scream 2. Greatest movie-to-sequel jump ever. It's just everyone. I don't even care if you've never seen Scream 1. Watch Scream 2 and appreciate how good of a sequel <laughs> that is. <laughs> Did you think it was better than the original? I don't know! This guy had a podcast just made me listen to it. Just made me watch it. I, don't, I didn't even know there was a Scream 1. He, I'm confused now. He seemed really confident that it was a good movie, and that stands on its own two legs. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a question. If they hadn't seen Scream 1, would you recommend them seeing this movie, Pete? I mean, I think it gives you enough exposition to sort of piece together what's going on. But they show you the movie, right? I mean, they, they show you staff. They kind of show you <laughs> clips of the first movie, quote-unquote. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, that's my answer, everyone. Kev, what special yep. group, special fan organization, special niche audience is going to appreciate Scream 2? Don't fucking say Timothy Olyphant. Because he was in it. He was in it, Kev. He needs to review his own work, Pete. Some actors don't like to do that. They do the work and they move on. Can somebody somewhere look up whether Timothy Oliphant likes to review his own work? Oh, my God. You know, you know, pull up a bunch of clips from Late Night and see if he ever mentions anything about it? Man, I wish we had a bigger fan base because somebody would do that work if we did. If we were like one of those huge podcasts. That is how the internet we'd works. We'd have the people yeah. would be like that. First off, very this is this is an obvious one. If Timothy Oliphant wants you to watch this movie with him, I don't care who you are, you watch this movie with him. 
that's who I recommend watch this movie first and foremost. Okay. Is people whose Timothy Oliphant invited to watch this movie with them. Hey, would you like to check out some of my earlier work? <laughs> yeah, Timothy Oliphant. I definitely would. All the time. Actually, for my second thing, I think I've got kind of like a, an Uno reverse card here. I'm going to say this is a group of people I think should not see this movie. All right. Um, if you are a... If you're somewhat... How do I put this? If you're somewhat aggressive, or if you have tendencies to be somewhat, I don't know, maybe you, maybe people have described you as impulsive, or, or you just jump to things really quickly, maybe you act on your emotions, and you're also a mom, don't go see this movie. I don't want you getting ideas. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't want you, I don't want, I don't want this to be a primer of what to do nope. in certain nope. situations. Kev, Kev, Scream 2 in the dialogue addresses... Whether people should be blamed for violent behavior because of seeing scary movies. They talk about it in the film class and at the big reveal at the end of the movie. And the general consensus, what's Kevin, their point? Is, no, no, you can't. Bl- well, Mickey was going to use that as a cover. His defense was going to be like, insanity plea, violent movies made me violent. Oh, that was big in the 90s. That was huge. That was that was a moral panic happening. Oh my 90s, God, moral so. panics are the worst. But yeah, like that was, that was the movie to fucking talks directly about that and it's bullshit that's what we say so i'm sorry you uh your segment is um it's it doesn't work and you get a a fail grade you you uh do not pass this course (laughs) i mean i should have said that the same thing if you wanted to go watch uh friday the 13th you shouldn't do that either moms moms who have a predilection for murder shouldn't go see either of those movies okay good call listen i'm not saying it's gonna make them do it i'm saying it's gonna give them ideas on how to do it I'm what okay there you go well actually I mean that they said that in the first movie that they just make killer killers more creative that's so you're learning something and, right and if you want to know more I love how both of us were like yeah fuck moral panics because we both listen to the same podcast which debunks how shitty moral panics were in the past so if anybody wants to hear more about it I'm going to give a shout out to uh you're wrong about which is a podcast where they go over like old stories and talk about like the 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 worst some of the worst reporting some of the worst group think and all these things about how like the way we remembered things aren't actually how it happened at all and uh it's a good one yeah and both of us listen to it and we both are like damn moral panics suck absolutely and also i'm still surprised to learn that the ford pinto wasn't actually a bad car no, it was safer than other cars. It was perfectly safe and just bad. What was it? Bad reporting like made that like a meme of the 70s. Kind of. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was uh, th- it was one of those things where they focused on all of the exact points of when it happened. And that was the only time they focused on it. <laughs> hey, did you know a Ford Pinto got in a car accident? It's like, yes, all the cars get into car accidents every year. <laughs> What's your point? It was, for small, compact sedans, it was the safest of its class. Ugh. All right. This isn't, they already talked about that on their podcast. We should probably wrap up ours. Um, Kev, what did you learn from Scream 2? Uh, Randy for life. Randy for life, indeed. Also, Timothy Oliphant should come okay, back, too. just, uh, no. And Shaggy. That's a fan theory that he might show up in the new one. 
and be Randy Toe. Revealed that he was alive all along. Uh, Jamie Kennedy and what's his name? No, I'm not going to spoil it, but we already had closure on Randy in part three. Ugh. We're going to have to talk about that next. What are we talking about next? Let's, let's talk about what Scream 2. Why not? Why not? All right, let's just go through the franchise. Let's Whatever. Do it. We're going to do Scream 1 tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that's oh, it. Boy. Cancel your plans. Do you have work? Cancel it. Uh, I can't. Call I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right, we'll record in your while you're working. All right, that I can do. <laughs> Strap a mic on me. I can just talk. All right, Pete, what did you learn from this movie? I learned that... Um, hubris is the fall of all men because even if you are the movie expert you can still get killed if you're being an idiot that man did not do what he should have done well i agree so i learned an important lesson about what not to do i also learned i mean this is just sort of a reinforcement of a lesson i already learned the hard way college not worth it (laughs) not only is it super expensive but maybe a serial killer murders you and all your friends so also if you're in college don't go into a fraternity oh my god absolutely not worst i've heard nothing good come from fraternities yeah like i've literally never heard a good thing about sororities and fraternities it's just like ah you join a group of people and they treat you like shit and ruin your life Ah! (laughs) hilarious and they abuse people Uh, and then they get away with it isn't that crazy ah (laughs) listen they're just boys being boys oh my god All right, um, so the quick rundown is uh, don't split up ever. Nope. In a horror movie. I don't know why uh, we ever is... stopped living together. It was a bad idea. <laughs> if there is some sort of issue with that you have with somebody, with your boyfriend, and you guys end up breaking up, you should probably kill their whole family uh, just to make sure. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and um, don't get too scared. <laughs>